We are going to take our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're picking up on part 10 of a series on relationships. And the last part of this series, at least what we've been on the last three or four weeks, has been relationships in the church. So relationships as regards church or church life. So that's what we're going to pick up with today. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and then get into our study this morning. And again, worship isn't uh, just a song as it's known uh, in many churches today. Worship is just the music part of the service. But in the truest sense of worship, it is a surrender to the sovereign hand of God, to the authority of God. So when we talk about coming together to worship today, it is really bowing our wills to him, to coming to a place of surrender to him as we learn his word or are instructed or sometimes re-instructed on the truths of the word of God. I'm going to come back to some premises on this relationships regarding the church, uh, this part 10 of this series. Uh, Some premises that I have that I believe the word of God addresses not just premises that are my own thinking, is that we have a tendency to go through life broken. We have a tendency to go through life uh, messed up in many ways. Any of you messed up? Yeah, you are. Any of you messed up out there? Uh, the, the Word of God is given to us so that we can know the Lord and, again, know what He wants for us. And I want to ask you, do you need continual correction from the Lord? Are you willing to admit that? sometimes easier to admit that maybe the person next to us or behind us needs that correction, but maybe not me. Um, you, ever, you ever teach, uh, how many of you ever taught a person how to drive? Okay. That was fun, wasn't it? There was no anxiety in that at all, was there? It can be difficult. Whenever you uh, are teaching a young a younger driver, how to drive, where is their focus? Where's their focus? Well, it depends, kind of. But a lot of their focus is really, without them knowing, in about a 10-foot radius around the vehicle. They're watching what's up close. As a matter of fact, if you're with a, a young driver, they do these corrections like this. You know, they're, they're all the time correcting, and, and you're all the time correcting as well. The, the more you do it, the more uh, natural that correction kind of becomes. But it's going down the road and always needing that, that correction, always needing that guidance. Um, the idea that if you take your hands off the wheel, um, you better not, <laughs> okay? Uh, You've got you to keep your hands on the wheel, point in the direction you need to go. And that's what God is doing for us. He's given us his word so that we can know what he has for us and what we're to do with it. And yet, it is in relationships that God magnifies a lot of things. If you remember, we spent the majority of our time in this 10-part series on a relationship with God. And even in our whole summer series, it's been in Sunday school, walking with God, knowing how to do that, knowing how to have a relationship with the Lord where it's not just a religion and not just hollow and not just sitting in a seat on Sunday. 
but actually having a relationship with the Lord. I'm, I'm, I believe that the scriptures would underscore that we don't do that relationship well and need to have the instruction of the Word of God on how to do it. The same would be true of marriage relationships. The same would be true of uh, parent to children, to employer to employee, uh, to civilian, to government. How do we have these relationships? God gives instruction on all of these things. But as we're looking at relationships, we recognize that while it's broken in many cases, I hope you are with me on this, you don't have to be. You may have experienced brokenness in relationships, and maybe you would have some relationships in your life that are broken today or not healthy today. And I want to encourage you by the instruction of the Word of God that you don't have to live that way. But I also said last week, while you don't have to live that way, you can die that way. You can live in a broken condition and carry it with you all your life and never change and always have the sadness of a relationship that was not all that God intended it to be. Now, church is that way. So I want to, again, underscore something else. All human relationships have limitations. And what happens is many times we look at those limitations of a husband or a wife or a church family, and we look at those limitations, and we magnify their limitations under the banner of, well, you didn't meet my need. I think there's a blessing in understanding the limitations and being grateful for what is there rather than for what is not. In other words, being grateful for the blessing of the relationships that God has given. I was speaking to a friend this week and made this very comment. You know, I'm thankful that we have a relationship of friendship. It's a blessing to my life. You can't be God for me and I can't be God for you, but God has given these friendship relationships to be an encouragement, to be a blessing. We recognized back when we talked about marriage that marriage really is a good thing. It's to be highly recommended. It's to be lifted up and honored as an institution given by God. It's another human relationship. Church relationship. The church relationships that we have are supposed to be good things. The church is a good thing. I'll remind you of last week's lesson that it is God who organized and administrates the care of the church. He's he's the one who established it. He's the one who's given scripture to guide its behavior. And I gave this statement last week, but as an underscore in today's message, as we have an introduction, the church is given as a blessing of God. The church is given as a blessing of God. If it isn't a blessing to you, we are doing it wrong. And I believe that we can do it wrong six ways from Sunday. The Lord loves the church, he gave himself for it, and he's given guidance on what he wants his church to be. So, this morning, I want to invite you into this study of God's design for the church as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us, and it relays it as a body, gives an illustration of the church as a body, and underscores through this illustration his design. 
of how the church is supposed to operate. So it encompasses verse 12 through the end of the chapter. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but what? But many. And now he breaks down the illustration. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased who? Him. And if they were all, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no what? That there should be no schism. Verse 25. No schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care. How? One for another. Now he illustrates that out. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And here he uses in verse 28 the word the church. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments. Diversities of tongues are all prophets, are all, excuse me, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Now, we end this whole discourse of 1 Corinthians 12 over God's design with, I show unto you a better way. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as what? The love chapter. And so that is the better way. And he specifically is segueing at the end of uh, chapter 12, he's segueing there into what we see in chapter 13, where there were divisions in the body over gifts, over different abilities. Now, what God is saying, if, I'm gonna, if I can just take a moment to sum up and talk about 1 Corinthians 12, is that when God saves people, he puts them into the body of Christ. And he has designed what we understand as local assemblies or the church 
to be a place where God's people are growing and serving one another and involved in their community as a community in that community where they are using what God has given them to reach the world around them. And I'll remind you that some would say, well, doctrinally, uh, when we talk about the body of Christ in the church, he's talking about the universal, universal church. But I would distinguish and recognize and recommend to you that Paul is writing to a, lo a local assembly in Corinth. He's writing to the Corinthian believers, a part of a, a Corinthian church. He's addressing their needs and their difficulties and their problems, a local assembly. I will go ahead and say again that I believe that every believer should be saved, baptized, and it's God who adds them to the church, but it is then the responsibility of every believer to become involved in and a part of a local assembly where you can serve God together. Now, can you serve him as an individual? Absolutely. But God did design the church with administration to care for the church. It is part of the pastoral role to care for the administration of the body. The idea that there would be direction, the idea that there would be guidance, he established deacons, that there would be an administration of ministry, that there would be a guidance, a structure of how ministry gets done. So God organized so that his body would do well, and I believe that we have a living miracle every Sunday of God's working, that there is a church at all. But God is the one who's designed it. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it and that God is in the business of adding to his church daily. He is in the business of saving souls across the world. By the way, can I encourage you? If you don't get Ken Dua's um, missionary letters, he's our, he's our missionary to Ghana, West Africa. They just had two pastors come. They went to Catholic services and they saw 100 teenagers accept Christ as their savior. So the gospel on fire, God building his church, God saving people. It's what God does. There is a tendency, I think, maybe globally, but I certainly know true in the United States, that there is a low view and a decreasing view amongst many in society over the value of the church or being a part of a church. I want to remind you that it is God's who organized it, God established it, and it is a place that is supposed to be a benefit and a blessing. But how does it become so? I want to remind you that just because you have experienced church in a bad way does not mean that it has to, A, stay that way or be that way for you. God has given direction, and here's part of that direction. You matter in the service of God. Hello? You matter in the service of God. He loves you enough to save you, and he doesn't love you enough just to save you and give you eternal uh, security where you're going to be in heaven forever. Yes, he's given that. But he has saved you to grow you in Christ-likeness to serve this great God who loved us and gave himself for us. All believers should be tenaciously, tenaciously holding after the doctrine of the church. It should be held in high value. By the way, it doesn't happen that ministry only happens when we come together, right? 
You can serve the Lord and should serve the Lord every day of your lives as God gives direction. But let me ask you, does God call his church together? We need to be a little bit more dogmatic. It wasn't a trick question. I don't want to answer yes. He's going to say, does God call his church together? Does God call that group of believers in those local assemblies to organize themselves for ministry? Does he call those churches that come together to organize themselves in the ministry of teaching the word of God? But what happens then and how it lives in our lives? How is church important to us? I want to tell you something I tell my kids all the time. Now, I, again, I, I know it can get really quiet and you think, well, he's getting personal in my life. Look, it's your life. And I'm not, I'm not the policeman. Hello? I'm not the spiritual policeman. And boy, can I get in the weeds right now. I want God to be God for you. I want God to direct your life. I was challenged as a young man to be in church every time I could. And I want to tell you some of the best advice I've ever had. I also want to tell you something I tell my kids all the time. I have taught them through the years. By the way, um... Did you hear what Pastor Phil said about the teen ministry? 27 to 30 teenagers? You said, praise God, and I went. 27 to 30 teenagers? That's awesome. No, it's awesome. That is great. It really is it's great. It has not always been that. For those that have been in this ministry, you know that it's not always been a big group. So something I've told my kids over and over again, you understand the power, hear what I'm saying, you understand the power of showing up. You understand the power of being present so that ministry can happen, so that we can accomplish more, do more, and try to do more. But it happens as we show up. It's interesting to me that our human solutions are so pathetically human. And here's why. Sometimes people will say, I don't feel connected to a church, so what do they start doing? Not showing up. And, I'm, and I don't want to be disrespective, but I'm, I'm thinking genius doesn't fit the bill there. That's not a genius solution. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, I'm being real. We often say you can't minister well to people you don't know. Do you know when I get to know people most? By hanging around. By the people that linger. By the people that, and it takes, it takes time, right? And by the way, can you know everybody? Maybe not. That's okay too. Do what you can. But you absolutely matter to the ministry of God. And I don't believe the ministry has to happen in this building but this is where we show up together to organize ourselves behind what we're doing. And it takes a big team. 
Matter of fact, I believe it's the genius of God, the church, in that it doesn't matter if you're a small church or a big church, God needs and wants everybody involved. When you're a small church, is there a need for your ministry? Hello, let's talk. When you're a small church, when you're, I, I'm going to tell on you, Tim. Tim goes to a church, I forget how many years ago, he goes to a church. Hey, oh, welcome, 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 welcome. You know, a small church. Oh, a visitor. Hey, you want to be youth pastor? Something like that. First service, right? First service. Tim went, I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be youth pastor. What are you talking about? You don't even know me. Young, you know, small churches are like, hey, grab on. Don't let go. But guess what? Bigger churches are that way too. What did you hear from our uh, Sunday school administrator today? Is there room to serve? By the way, can everybody be a Sunday school teacher? No. It's not the, it's not, that's not the idea, but you heard in my class, 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, that God has committed to us to commit to faithful people who will teach the word of God to others also. God wants everybody serving who is in his family. And all God's people said? Amen. And you don't have to have a title to do so. Now, our time's going to fly on us, but we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, I want to I tell you something. There, in, this, in this passage already, I, I've said about the power of showing up. The ecclesia are the called out ones. That's what they're called. It is what the rapture is going to be. God's going to catch us all away. Praise God. There's the gathering. But the gathering that happens for his people are those, the ecclesia, those local assemblies where they are coming together to worship and serve God. Even already, some of you could take a guilty path of saying, oh, but I'm not there, and oh, and I, I should. You know, let God direct your life, okay? Just let God direct your life. I'm just saying, come, let's do this together because you matter. You matter in the ministry of God. You matter to serve, and this church, this local assembly is stronger for having you in it and under the wisdom of God, he placed you in it. And by the way, before I get into this next passage, it's something that's grown in my own life. I, I remember, uh, this is a grievous thing to me. I remember a pastor, he was, uh, some, some video I watched, and he, he was giving an illustration of, of um, church life, and he said, I think he was talking to pastors, he said, you know what it's like, pastors, you know, you got some, some of those people who are a thorn in your flesh, and, and, and you, you know what it's like to, as a servant of God, see somebody leave your ministry who's been in a thorn in your flesh, and you're just so glad they're gone. And he was saying that as a real thing. And I'm gonna tell you, it is a real thing, for many pastors, but it's rebukable. The reason it's rebukable is God places people in the body on purpose, and you matter. And the idea of just uh, getting rid of everybody who, who, who you thought, don't think is somehow worthy of you is just horrid. There's an appreciation for all of God's people and the part they play in ministry. Are we a complicated mess? Yes. I believe that church is a big family. Do you ever have problems with your family? 
Do other families have problems with your family? Big families take a lot of communication. There can be a lot of opinions. What do you do? What do you do? You seek to build a ministry under worship where what we do looks like what the Bible teaches. So 1 Peter chapter 3, in God's design, is our second passage. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 8 through 11. Matter of fact, you could read out loud with me if you would. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, reading out loud with me now. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Now, this is a snippet of Christian conduct, as it said at the top of my page. How do we live our lives? The first part of this passage is dealing with a husband and wife, but now it comes in verse 8 and following how we live with each other. So I want to break these things down for a moment. Finally, be all of one mind. One mind has the idea of we understand unity, but it's actually a musical kind of a phrase. Being all of one mind is talking about harmony. It's the ability for one person to make a note, another person to make a note that actually sound good together by design. So this isn't two notes clashing on the keyboard. This is Emma writing uh, or, or playing out what she's played uh, because it was structured to go together. It's even in the orchestra. It's what's happening with playing of parts. It's what's happening in congregational singing. And by the way, one of the reasons that we still use our hymn books, even though we have the words on the screen. Why? So that you can sing parts and make more beautiful music to the Lord. Do you realize that even our singing is a picture of the unity of the church? Not just by what we're singing, but even the act of singing. He says, be all of one mind. And that is something we have to strive to do. Some of you know. Matter of fact, the closer you are in ministry, and there is no door uh, that says, hey, you can't be close. The way we do ministry here is we talk things out and we don't always have clarity. We don't always have answers on what should we do. But we seek God's face, we pray, we talk together, and we strain at it. What should we do? Anybody want to take a guess at what I'm straining over right now? Anybody? Take a guess. Take a guess. What would it be? Coffee in the auditorium. <laughs> Do you think there's more than one opinion on how to take care of that? Well, bless God, let them drink coffee at home. One phrase in the church came to one of our people one time. The coffee stinks around here. And uh, <laughs> someone said, well, you could bring your own. And they said, well, why do we think I give my tithe for? 
Buy good coffee. I, th- I thought it was great. I, I love sitting on the outside of that and saying, ah, oh, blessing. <laughs> you sort it out. Love, love it. And then I kind of walk away. And, and, and then some people say, you know, and I appreciate it. Sometimes people say to me, Pastor Jeff, you care too much about what people think. No, I'm trying to do what makes for peace. Did you know that we've probably spilt coffee in this room already? Can I get an amen? Oh, no. Uh, it's, a pro- it's a problem. We, we got we to gotta figure, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. There's a reason my water bottle's over there, though. <laughs> um, again, whatever we face, do you realize that churches make mountains out of molehills? You've heard before that the church, the story that I was given, the church that I got saved in was a split because of the curtains at the baptistry. Can you believe that? I don't, I don't, it happened before, it happened before I got saved. So I don't know if the part I was with was for or against it. I don't know. I don't know if it was for having curtains or they didn't like the style. I don't know. Today marks six months. This Yesterday marks six months since my, since my accident. And I, I thought about yesterday. I thought, I don't, I don't think that God allowed me to live longer so that I could handle whether it should be coffee or not in the auditorium. I'm just saying. But do we get to do it together? Yeah, we do. We do. But all that we do, even in those what do we do's, have to look like this. Be all of one mind. Is that hard? It's hard when there are two people. Sometimes hard when there's one. What should I do? I don't know. What should I do? I don't know. I don't know what to do. Somebody tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. We're a mess. But somehow in this mess, God makes harmony. Somehow in this mess, God wants us to strain at it, making beautiful sound in our behavior. Now, he says how to do it in the next phrase, having compassion one of another. Compassion is, is truly sympathy. Sympathy defined is sharing someone else's feeling. Having compassion one of another is sharing your feeling. Sometimes when we talk as a family over difficult, you know, maybe decisions, you know, I reiterate, you know, I, I, I want to I underscore something right now. This is not my desire to be the one who is right because it's my idea. I I just want us to do what God wants us to do. Can we all agree? We just want to do what God wants us to do. And we, we get to figure that out together, but we're sympathetic one to another. We try to understand what's going on in each other's lives. We try to give that compassion of sharing the feeling. Can anyone truly know how you feel? 
They can try. And praise the Lord for the effort. But have you ever been in those scenarios where you tried to minister to somebody that was hurting and they were like, you don't even know what I'm going through. I'll just underscore we're all going through stuff. Aren't we? And if you're not, you will. And God made the church to be a blessing. He made the church to come alongside and be an encouragement and, and have this care one of another. He now says the number three in verse eight is to love his brethren, in other words, like family. Love his brethren. Stop putting up the defense of, of self-will, in my opinion, your opinion. Work together as a family does in the spirit of love. It goes on to say be pitiful. You know what pitiful is? It's tender-hearted. It's soft-hearted. A softness one towards the other. A tenderness. He says, be courteous. To be courteous means to be friendly of mind. To be courteous means to be friendly of mind. It's a disposition that you hold in your heart that says, we are going to be friends. Now, in verse 9 through 11, there's a lot of uh, what we're not to do as well, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. There's a lot of how we speak to each other here. But contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Have you ever been a part of a church that didn't look like Jesus? Hello. You ever heard, ever, ever heard stories of it? I've only had one time in my life where I've had somebody um, as an adult outside of the elementary ages uh, had, had a threat for somebody to beat me up. And it was at a Baptist business meeting <laughs> where I was acting as moderator for the pastor and the deacons and to the assembly. Is it possible for churches not to look like Jesus at all? So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to live this? How are you going to do this? You see, you get to live life how you want to. But God has given direction for how that should look. And we need God's design to do this well. I look out across this assembly and I thank God for everyone that's here. Some of you I don't know at all because you're new to the church. I may not even gotten a chance yet to say hello to you. Others of you I've known since the beginning of this assembly and yet whether you're brand new or been here for years, God calls us into the same operation. Let's do this together for the glory of God loving him. And as we do so, let's do it as we love each other. 
not rendering evil for evil in verse 9, or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. In Galatians chapter 6, it gives a further admonition to the church, uh, to God's people. Verses 1 and 2, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There is one predominant characteristic that the church is to always hold that will make us look like Jesus. Does anybody know what that characteristic is? It's a four-letter word, and it's simply love. Love. All right, I got to be done. Some of you are smelling lunch. And when I say love, you think, yeah, I love food fellowship, so I got to be done. <laughs> I want to, I uh, can you forgive me for to, to give, I don't like to talk about my accident as a part of a regular diet of our, of our uh, coming together. But I, I want to close with this, this um, maybe insight, maybe something that is important to me anyway. Um, sometimes, you can have problems in your relationships across the spectrum, whether it's in church, whether it's with family, whether it's with extended family or neighbors or whatever else, okay? So when, when I, and I've, I've had some of that. I've had, I've had difficulties with, with people. And I will, I will tell you something that became very powerful to me. If you want to call it um, a near-death experience, you want to call it, you know, uh, being given grace to have another day to breathe, There's, there are many, 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 many blessings. But I'll tell you something that happens, at least when you go through something like that, and, and there are others who have been there too, so you could stand behind this, and I think you would echo the same thing that I'm going to say. When you go through something that could take your life, and you are allowed to live another day. And there are people or relationships that have been problematic to you. What do you do with them? Well, I'll tell you what, what the Lord did to me. When you face tragedy or potential tragedy, it really becomes very simple. It really gets boiled down to the foundation. And here's, here's where I, I, I was, and this is what I felt. It really doesn't matter what that person did or that person did. It really doesn't matter. I just want to love them with the time that I've got. 
boil it down. Make it simple. Just love. Love your Lord and love people. And it kind of strips away whether there are curtains on the sides of the baptistry or not. We don't have any. Let's fight. And by the way, I recognize there's a part of what I'm saying. Yeah, Pastor Jeff, that doesn't make the problems go away. No, but it tempers it. It tempers it. And here's, here's the truth of it, and we're done. The truth is, you and I have a very short time. We have a very short time to walk this planet. And we're messy. We're complicated. But in this hour of decision, you and I have an opportunity to be a, a part of something that God has placed us in. He's placed us in the body of Christ. He's given church as a blessing. Without making it complicated, let's do this in a way that reflects our love for him. Let's do this in a way that reflects our love for each other. Can we do that? I'll ask again. Can we do that? Again, can we do it? How many times did the Lord ask Peter if he loved him? Let's do this, amen?